Matthew 2, verses 7 to 12. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. 10 to 19. I rejoiced greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I am not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content, whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. Yet it was good of you to share in my troubles. Moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out from Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving, except you only. For even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid more than once when I was in need. Not that I desire your gifts, but I desire is that more be credited to your account. I have received full payment and have more than enough. I am amply supplied Now that I have received from Ephroditus the gifts you sent, they are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. This is God's word. So the four Sundays leading up to Christmas are known as Advent. And normally we uh, sort of have the themes of uh, hope, joy, peace, and love. Those are the traditional kind of Advent themes as we think about Christmas and what it means. Uh, and beyond Christmas, because Advent is really a time of waiting and thinking about everything Jesus has done. So not just the fact that he was born in the first place, but that he uh, is coming again in the future. However, this year, uh, we are actually doing it slightly differently because we want to to encourage folk to think slightly differently about um, Christmas. And so um, we are using material that um, was produced by congregations that uh, about 13 years ago, uh, four congregations in America got together and they formed what is called Advent Conspiracy. Um, And it's it, we are conspiring together to think about it differently. That's, that's really what we mean. And so, last week the theme was worship fully. Today it's spend less. Next week it's give more. 
uh, which seems a bit odd if you're spending less, but, you know, we'll come to that. Uh, there is a bit of an overlap between those two, and so actually today and next week is kind of a, a bit of a, of a mishmash between them, but uh, th- those are the themes. But I wanted to ask you a question. This Christmas, what have you done? Are you thinking that you might spend more but give less, or do you want to spend less and give more? Because it's perfectly possible to spend lots and lots and lots and actually be giving less because you haven't put any time or effort or thought into it. Again, if you have children, how many times have you taken the big shiny toy out of the box only to discover your child playing with the box? Somebody, um, I can't remember which newspaper it was in, but uh, I I read uh, a comment saying that there uh, there is a new fastest growing religion in uh, the United Kingdom, and it's not Islam and it's not Christianity. The symbol of this rising faith is neither the crescent nor the cross, but the pound sign. See, there is an expanding belief system uh, in radical consumerism. It promises transcendence, power, pleasure, and fulfillment of everything you could possibly want. It promises to solve the problems in our society and the national economic dilemma, even as it it demands absolute devotion. You cannot possibly be happy this Christmas if you don't spend more. You cannot possibly have a great relationship with your husband or your wife or your partner if you don't give them more. At least, that's what we're told. The consumer culture we live in claims that the material things we want will help us above the current circumstances that we face. And the headlines that we get fired at us all the time. That's what they say. Give more, buy more. And it all comes, funnily enough, at a price. But there's a problem. At the very heart of that consumerism actually lies dissatisfaction and discontent. People are not happy with what they have. And having more is not going to make them any more happy. There's a quote from Advent Conspiracy, um, the, the book that we're using, and it says this. We are constantly searching for the one thing that will satisfy us. And yet each time we trust the promises of our possessions, more barriers are raised between our true selves and God's plain command to love him above all things. It's not that we necessarily want more. It's that what we want is something we can't buy. What we want is something we can't buy. It's like, you know, we are searching for God and we've settled for things. How, well, I'll tell you, I'll I'll ask you the question. How much do you think was spent in the UK on Black Friday? Just uh, 
however many weeks ago. Roughly, give, give me a guess, any guess. How much do you think was spent in the UK on that one day? One billion pounds, okay? Anybody think that's high or low? You think that's high. One billion is too much, okay? So it's got to be less than that. So what, what are we thinking then, roughly? 800 million? 700 million? 600 million? You think higher than that? So somebody, so, so one billion is not enough, you think? Okay. Okay, so, so, so we're going higher, right? So what are we, two billion? Three billion. Higher than that. Well, can I tell you, 9.2 billion pounds. 9.2 billion pounds on Black Friday. And Cyber Monday was 9 billion. 18.2 billion pounds on those two days. And along with that was an estimate that to give every single human being on the planet access to clean water, 20 to 25 billion pounds. So we could almost have eradicated the diseases that people are living with every single day if instead of spending on stuff, we had spent on people, on poverty, on eradicating disease and giving people clean drinking water. What a difference would that make in the world? Because by next week, the stuff that was bought, who cares? Most of it, most of it is nonsense. You know, you buy your new software and you think, oh great, that'll save me four seconds because it's faster. I understand it's not all like that. Some of the stuff we buy is good, but you've got to think about so much more than just how it makes you feel. So many of us have looked to the immediate as our basis for happiness and well-being. In the midst of this consumer culture that we live in, the words of Jesus from Luke chapter 12 should cause us to pause if we trust him. Watch out, he says. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. A man's life doesn't consist in the abundance of his possessions. It's not about things. Seriously, if you're not happy without something, you won't be happy with it either. Eric Hoffer, the theologian, said, you, you never get enough of what you don't need to make you happy. You can never get enough of what you don't need to make you happy. Isaiah 55, verse 2. God is asking his people, why don't, why don't you come to me? Why we persist in pursuing those things that are never going to satisfy us? And he says this, why spend money on what is not bread and your labor on what does not satisfy? Listen, listen to me and eat what is good and your soul will delight in the richest of fare. In the midst of all the clamor, for us to buy more and give more and spend more. We need to look differently. The simplicity of Jesus' birth. The extravagance of God who gave his only son. Jesus left 
everything that was his by right in heaven and was born as a human baby. Their sacrifice. Luke 2, verse 7. And Mary brought forth her firstborn son, and she wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for him in the inn. The authors of the, the, the Advent Conspiracy book are just to take a fresh look at the original Christmas story because the story's been bought and sold and marketed and commercialized for hundreds of years. But the story remains deeper and more meaningful than most of us often realize. Why would God do that? The answer can help us go from life-absorbing shopping lists this Christmas to life-altering significance. When Jesus came to us, he came in simplicity to a humble couple who had very little money. So the true meaning of Christmas has never been about things. It's always been about him. How strange and sad it is that debt and consumerism reach their peak on the very morning we celebrate the birth of Jesus, the Savior who came to liberate us from those very things. And maybe you are ready to join the ranks of many Christians and say, enough, enough. Well, that's a healthy start. The Advent season needs the gospel simply proclaimed and the work of Jesus simply done. A return to the simplicity of the gospel story is really urgent. Actually, it never needed tinsel to make it look good anyway. How we approach the gospel during this season will go a long way in influencing how we practice the holiday. Instead of looking at the hollow promises of consumerism, why not seek a fresh look and a fresh visitation from God? That might transform it from a holiday into a holy day. And Paul helps us with this. He seems to have found the right balance between giving and receiving gifts within his framework of faith. I think his story highlights three important principles for spending and giving this year. Of course, maybe you bought everything on Black Friday and you're really organized. Number one, he says, let the gifts you give meet a need. Let the gifts you give meet a need he says, for even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid again and again when I was in need. So let's buy gifts that actually meet a need. You can sense the gratitude in Paul's words. Here he was in prison. He was dependent on other people. And the gifts that they brought him were just the right thing at the right time. They were tailor-made for him and his situation. I don't know if you've ever had that satisfaction that comes with giving or receiving a gift that actually solved a problem. You give something that somebody actually needs and they go, oh, thank you so much, just what I wanted. And both the giver and the receiver are blessed because you've, you've put time and effort and thought into what you've given or what has been received. Second thing, let the gifts you give be memorable. Paul says, when I set out from Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving except you only. He remembered them because they had given 
gifts to him. I would be less than honest if I didn't say that I want the gifts that I give, particularly this year, because I've really been thinking about this year, not only to meet a need, but also to be memorable. Paul remembered the gifts of the Philippians, and they made an imprint on him, and I want mine to do the same. I suspect we can probably think back to gifts that you've got and thought, what on earth am I going to do with this? <laughs> or, as happens sometimes to those of us of a certain age, more socks. <laughs> that, that kind of thing. We've all been in that kind of place. But I hope you've also been in that place where you've had something and you've just thought, wow, that is so thoughtful. That is so kind, so generous. That's just what I need for now. Because it was personal. There was an emotional investment put into the gift. There's a story of a little boy who was at a missionary school and he gave his teacher a Christmas gift. It really wasn't very much. It was a seashell. But they lived a very long walk from the sea. And the teacher knew that he had had to travel many hours to collect a shell. And so and her initial response to the gift was, oh, you, you, shouldn't, have, you shouldn't have done that. You shouldn't have got me this uh, really beautiful shell. You had to walk so far to get it. And his response was, the long walk was part of the gift. The long walk was part of the gift. Gifts that are memorable are gifts that come from the heart. Not just some object ticked off your list. It doesn't need to be expensive. Lastly, let the gifts you give be meaningful. Paul says in verse 18, I am amply supplied now that I have received from Epaphroditus the gifts that you sent. He knew that the gifts that were given were not from an obligation to give, but they were given with love and they were sacrificial. It showed that they were invested in his ministry. It showed that they were giving of themselves, and it showed that they had been intentional in what they were doing. So maybe this year we need to stop the obligatory gift giving that has kind of imposed on us. Somebody gives us something, so we have to give them something back. And sometimes we have to give them something better back. At least that's how we feel. Sometimes we feel guilty if we've not given extravagantly and universally. Maybe it's time to think about what we give and who we give and who we give to. But let's give things that are meaningful. Uh, let me share with you how perhaps not to do it. I recently bought my wife some very beautiful windscreen wiper blades. <laughs> Incredibly useful. I mean, when you're driving in the rain, they're, really, they're, they're a great help for driving safely in the rain. Probably best not to have wrapped them up and left them under the tree. I'm just thinking, you know, So this year, ask yourself these questions as you consider what to buy for someone. Does it meet a need? 
Is it memorable? Is it meaningful? Even if you're very organized, and as I say, you've already bought all your gifts, you can still ask those questions. Is it something you really want to give? Is it just more stuff for the person who's already got everything they need? Do they really need another gift when you've already wrapped four for them? So will they meet a need? Will they be memorable? Will they be meaningful? Gift giving is an ideal way to show someone that they're valuable to you. It's a holy, a good thing to do. The shepherds gave gifts. The wise men gave gifts. It's a good thing. And I'm not in any way suggesting that we stop giving gifts to people. I'm really not saying that. But turning the holiday into a holy day doesn't require us to become sore-faced buzzkills. It really doesn't. Spending less doesn't require us to be stingy. In fact, if you want to turn the holiday into a holy day, you can't be either. But what it does do is give us an opportunity to spend, to think, and to give differently. Amen.